everybody. Dr. Josh Axe here. So excited to be on the podcast today. Today, I've got uh, a guest that I've actually known for many, many years. It's Dr. Anna Kabeka. She's a doctor of osteopathy. She is an expert in hormonal, hormonal health, the keto diet, and so much more. Anna, hey, welcome to the show. Hey, great to see you, Josh. Thanks for having me. Well, awesome. Well, we're going to talk about a lot today. I know that you've got two books that I love that pe many uh, people have probably read. We've got The Hormone Fix, which was just a, you know, a, a book I've seen people raving about. And I know in the book, you talk about how to burn fat, boost your energy, sleep better, but also get rid of hot flashes, balance your hormones naturally. That's a great book. You also have a new book out called Keto Green 16. And this is really doing the ketogenic diet the right way, the way that I know that I've taught if somebody's going to do keto the way we should be doing it. So we'll touch on that. But again, I want to touch on everything from hypothyroidism today to PCOS, to menopause, to other hormone conditions, <laughs> and how to heal our bodies. And so Let's dive in. All right. So, well, I love it. We're going to cover just these, you know, this huge area. And I, that just, that excites me. There is so much to cover. And yet, looking at the underlying issues that thread through them all, right? The underlying hormonal issues that thread through them all, that when we get that right, we've got a balanced body. Absolutely. And I want to start broad and then sort of whittle down to the more specific conditions. But let's start broad here and talking about hormonal health. You know, hormonal health is so important for so many things. In fact, there are hormones like insulin, which most people don't think that's a hormone or don't realize it is. It is like we've got melatonin, we've got leptin, ghrelin, thyroid hormones, estrogen, progesterone, testosterone. So there are a lot of hormones. Number one, first question here for you, what are the biggest things in terms of diet that are really throwing our hormones out of whack today? Yeah, definitely it's sugar. And it's, it's a bigger problem for us, especially women as we get older, because the gluconeogenesis in the brain is an estrogen-dependent process. And the brain fog, the memory loss, the 2.6 times increased risk of dementia, I mean, all of that coming into a diet that is too high in sugar and creates insulin resistant. So we have a harder time using the glucose that we do have. Mm. Yeah. So you're saying, so sugar's number one, hit on a couple more. What are the next, maybe the second and third biggest offender that's affecting our bodies and our hormonal health? And when it comes to food, I would say it's really not a food other than sugar. I mean, there's so many, but the second thing is actually a practice that is so hormonally disruptive to women and men, and that is snacking. Snacking throughout the day. I mean, three meals, three snacks. I mean, you know, we, how did that ever come about? Yeah, I can see that. Snacking continually, I mean, it increases the calories, but also you're kind of sending your blood sugar uh, on this, uh, you know, roller coaster. And I think that sort of, that falls in line with sugar. And so one of the things that I've heard you say with these first two things is blood sugar matters, sugar matters. And so uh, talk to me about insulin just a little bit more. Like, cause when I, I think when most people think of insulin, their first, the first thing they think of is diabetes. They may not th be thinking of PCOS or menopause or low testosterone in men or any of these conditions, but, but, uh, you know, I, I, what, what does insulin really do and how does that affect our other hormones? 
Yeah. And actually let's throw in hot flashes to that, right? Mm -hmm. Because our body's ability to um, respond to insulin is directly tied into the number and frequency as well as the duration of hot flashes we have. Who knew? I think it's, it's great. It's such great information. Insulin, insulin is one of our major hormones. And as I write about in my books, you know, I would say oxytocin is the master hormone. And if you would consider oxytocin, the dean of the university, professors would be like insulin and cortisol. And the student body is the rest of the hormones that we talk about, all our favorite reproductive hormones, and then, you know, all of our metabolism hormones, and you just name it. But insulin is a hormone that is designed to help us store and conserve our energy for later time period. It helps us store glucose in fat for fuel in the future. And so one thing that happens we, when we're talking about insulin and how our body is able to use it, there's a genetic, certainly there's a genetic predisposition. And we could say, well, there's about 20, 20, 25% of us that are more predisposed to, you know, insulin, have insulin resistant genes, and that can really affect us. But really, when we, when we look at it, we are adapted to conserve in times of you know, in times of famine and we're under these extended fast. And that's where this, you know, ability of our body to conserve fuel in times of plenty is very, very beneficial. So insulin comes into play as a response to glucose. When we eat carbohydrates and any, not just straight sugar, right? We know that, that any, even fruit is, is carbohydrates. And so when we eat carbohydrates converting to glucose into our bloodstream, insulin responds. And that insulin response is to utilize what we need and tuck away what we don't, essentially. And what happens, in the, especially in the snacking um, habits, is that we eat, insulin bumps up, glucose is you know, pushed down somewhat, but it takes hours and hours for glucose to get back down to our typically fasting levels. But then within a couple hours, we're sneaking, uh, snacking again. There's a bump and then insulin goes up, a bump and then insulin goes up every time we eat. And that's how our body's continuing. That's where we get this insulin resistance. And I always kind of compare it to the nagging dog at the dinner table. <laughs> like for you, the begging dog, I mean, you're not going to feed it. It's just going to be there ready for you until you give in. And that's kind of like insulin. Yeah, great analogies. I love that there. And so again, insulin is a huge deal. It can affect almost every hormone in your body. And of course, it's related to weight gain. It's, it's related to, um, again, I know that I've, I've seen studies recently on a reference PCOS, low testosterone. Mm -hmm. So we know that keeping blood sugar balance is a big deal. You know, one of the things you hit on in your new book, uh, Keto Green 16, is you really talk about the keto diet done the right way. Talk to me about a keto diet. What's different about your keto diet? And how can doing a green keto diet, as you talk about, how can that help insulin levels? Yeah, and, and really cortisol levels too, really to handle our stress and improve our immune system in so many ways. So like when we think keto, we hear keto, keto everywhere. And we know that there are many different kinds of keto. Carnivore keto, hey, there's the bacon and butter, Velveeta <laughs> cheese on a hot dog keto. You know, there are certainly different ways that we can do it, but what's going to create the best metabolic stability, the best hormone balance. And through my own experience with keto, that's where I discovered how important the green aspect is. In fact, it's the alkalinizing aspect. 
of, of the, my keto green approach that makes a difference because in general, getting into ketosis, getting our body to use fat for fuel, we can certainly do that by increasing fats in our diet, but we can do it through intermittent fasting and longer fast. All of that can increase our body's ability to use fat for fuel. And it's really by design, a much better way to increase insulin sensitivity and to increase our results, you know, the improvement in our results that way. What I experienced and what many of my clients experience doing keto is their body gets really more acidic very quickly. And so by checking, we're not talking about blood pH, I'm really talking about urine pH and what's happening across the cell membranes. So a simple vital sign to help us monitor what's working for us and what's not working for us is checking urine pH. I really do, Josh, and I, I, I can imagine you agree with me here, but urine testing, urine pH testing is a vital sign. It really is. It's as important as our blood pressure, as important as our heart rate, as important as our weight. I mean, it, it really is. And because it doesn't just show us how well we're nourishing our body, it shows us how well we're managing stress. Because the more our body, the more cortisol we secrete, um, the more acidic our urine pH is. So we can tell if and this is why, and I think bringing it down to the situation, even my vegan plant-based eaters, they can be acidic if they're stressed, if they're worried, you know, if they are inflamed, right? If they have too much carbs in their system. And because cortisol increases hydrogen ion secretion across the renal tubules is how that works to create an acidic urine pH. So by discovering, not just by increasing plentiful, low carbohydrate alkalinizing greens to give our bodies the mic additional micronutrients to support our cell health and our hormone balance and our neurotransmitters so that we have much more, less inflammation, more clarity, but it also helps us discover what works for us and what doesn't work for us. So that's what I love about urine pH testing. And that's where my program is different because it's not just about what you eat. It is. Maybe, maybe it's about who you're eating with. Are they stressing you out? <laughs> if that's the case, it doesn't matter how amazing your food is, right? Yeah, I mean, it's a great point. I mean, stress levels are a huge deal. We're living in an age today where stress levels are higher than ever before. And I know that is such a key to hormones. In fact, you know, as I've, I've spent a lot of the past many years studying a lot of Chinese medicine, Ayurvedic medicine, what was just as important as what you ate, or I would say more important, was our emotional state. Living free of fear and worry and anxiety, instead dwelling on things of, that are related to faith, hope, and love, gratitude, you know, being grateful for things. And so anyways, I love that you said that and you're hitting on stress because it is such a big deal. So as we're talking about hormones and keto, what are some of the best foods that people should focus on getting into their diet on a regular basis? Well, first thing I want them to focus on intermittent fasting. So no food for extended periods. And again, this is critical, especially for us in the menopause, perimenopause, because we need to switch from glucose for brain fuel to ketones for brain fuel on a regular basis. So with that in mind, the first thing is those dark green leafies, those alkalinizers, the kale, the beet greens, the Swiss chard, the collards, we're here in the South, you know, good collard greens. 
and and the cruciferous vegetables also for hormone balance. The diversity of our plant foods improve our gut bacteria, the diversity of our gut bacteria or our microbiome. And we know with that improvement, we have a stronger immune system and are less likely to have some of these metabolic diseases of aging. So the first thing are my dark green leafies and my cruciferous vegetables. The second thing are really optimal healthy fats. So first things I love are olive oil and avocados, for sure. Olive oils and avocados. And and they're pretty essential and key foods. In my Keto Green 16, I have 16 key food types and avocado gets its own category pretty much, right? And, um, and so healthy fats, those are the healthy fats. Also MCT oil, medium chain triglycerides, like from coconut oil and um, good quality free range foods. So we have our salmon, we have bison, burgers, um, beef, all grass fed, you know, free range. You've said this before too. We are what we eat eight, right? We are what we eat eight. And that makes a that's important to consider. And not just how they, you know, what they ate, but how they lived and how they died. So it, that comes into play with additional stress hormones getting into our system and how that can really affect our physiology. When women especially hit this metabolic stall, like they're doing everything they can, they feel like, okay, I'm following this program or that program. That's where the detective work, I say putting your Nancy Drew detective hat on, right? Because, um, you know, I mean, how fun, right? We get to these under, what are the clues that are creating this metabolic stall? And we have to, we have to look at that and just see, because like I said, it can be that we're eating some amazing good foods, but it can also be that maybe they have some, they they have some toxins associated with them or pesticides or herbicides, and that's going to act as an endocrine disruptor, a hormone disruptor for our body. So we're going to hit a stall. It, it could be that we're eating them too late at night. We know that if we eat after 7 p.m., our body's going to increase more of that insulin hormone <laughs> and as much as 30 to 70% compared to the same meal we ate before 7 p.m. And that's huge. And especially for our women with PCOS, especially for our women who are struggling with infertility or are having hot flashes despite doing everything they know, that's a function of of really of insulin resistance and we getting a handle on that will make a big difference. And so I love choosing, you know, beautiful keto green foods and colorful plates and healthy fats. Now, Josh, I was in the eighties in high school and in college, and that's when the whole low fat movement was around. And I know from working with my peers that it is a mind shift to get us eating more healthy fat, but it makes perfect sense since our hormones are derived from fats. Yep. You know, it's, it's, uh, yeah, the low fat craze. I remember reading years ago, like some of the studies that really led up to that were animal studies where they were feeding rabbits meat that are actually, you know, they're, they're not, you know, they're not omnivores. And so it's just, uh, anyways, it's just very, very interesting, uh, to, to, to look at, but you know, the low fat craze definitely increased our risk of heart disease as you're talking about. And of course, caused hormone balance issues. You know, you look at your cells, they've all, they're made of fat. Your brain is made up a lot of fat. And so we know that fat is critical for hormonal balance. I love some of the big ones you hit on, the avocado, the olive oil, we know coconut oil. Those are my faves as well. Give me an example of like what your daily diet looks like when you're going keto green uh, for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and maybe even a dessert. 
Ooh, I love it. Actually, I did a cooking demonstration. So I had my girlfriend doctor live with a chef on Saturday, and I was really excited to do this. And what we cooked were salmon cakes. So we did a dinner cook, but let me actually just start with when we break fast, right? We want to break fast and keto green 16, even those clients who say, I cannot go more than 12 hours without eating because I get hypoglycemic. I promise you that we're going to heal your metabolism so you can absolutely go 16 hours between dinner and breakfast. And so we work to get a 16 hour fast. And in, and in that, when you wake up in the morning, hydrating with alkaline water, I also hydrate with a shot of my Mighty Maca Plus, just the herbs and the alkalinizers, the detoxifiers, because the body's been detoxing and rejuvenating all night. We want to really hydrate well in the morning and support our body's natural detoxification process. And then break fast essentially with, for example, um, my daughter made for me today a fried egg served over spinach and arugula. I'm actually looking at it with a side of tomatoes and some organ meat, a little bit on the side too, but really our plates are 75% green or, or completely combined with additional alkalinizers, sprinkled with olive oil, lemon juice, some herbs and spices, and, um, and that's breakfast. And so, you know, usually skipping lunch and then say, for example, my salmon cakes that were amazing. You can do, uh, with just poaching a salmon, just breaking that up and adding, adding additional alkalinizers right there into your protein and fats, right? So adding in some great mayo, and you could do that yourself, adding in an eggs so or adding additional fats and protein to keep it, to hold it together and using instead of a um, binder such as uh, breadcrumbs or flour, what we used instead actually used a little bit of chickpea flour actually from falafel mix because it adds a nice spice and it stays uh, low. You stay low carb with that, or you could use a nut flour just as easily. And then some celery, cilantro, onions, and what it dill is and some um, Himalayan sea salt and toss that together, pan fry the cakes and serve it with an aioli side. And we served it with some asparagus. So beautiful. That was one of our doctor and the chefs that we did in my Facebook live. So that was really fun. Um, and that's, and that's it, a cup of tea um, afterwards for bedtime. And that's a day. So we have like keto green salads and want to do that. You want to keep that intermittent fasting. So when we do 16-8, certainly you can have, you know, a, you know, a, a, a light, a lighter meal in between if you needed to, but keeping always trying to keep at least, you know, four hours between meals because you need to get your body sensitized to glucose again, really, and to insulin again, and shift to using ketones for fuel. So typically, it's two meals a day now for me. I'm 53 with a 12-year-old. For those who know my story, I was 39 in early menopause, diagnosed with infertility, and, um, and you know, that took me on a journey around the world learning alternative ways, and, um, and so having a baby at 41. So now 53 with a 12 year old hormone balance is my life. Wow. <laughs> wow. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Hey guys, Dr. Axe here to talk to you about multi-collagen protein from ancient nutrition. I personally believe that collagen can be one of the biggest game changers 
for your health. In fact, it's the number one supplement I consume and recommend on a regular basis. Here's why collagen is so critical. Your skin, your nails, your joints, even your gut is made up of collagen. And if you want to transform your health, I recommend you take it every single day to take what I believe is the highest quality collagen. Search Ancient Nutrition Collagen Protein today. So let's talk about a few specific, uh, let's talk about supplements here because food is important. Mindset is important. Those are the things that are most important is our emotions and the food, but supplements can help supplement our healthy diet and fill in the gaps we're missing. What, what are some of the most supplements or superfoods that are taken as supplements that we should be focused on getting to help uh, support hormone balance? Yeah, I typically say to clients, and um, if there were only two things that I would, you could leave my office with, what would they be? And it would be an omega-3 fish oil, high quality omega-3 with high EPA, DHA. So a good quality omega-3 fish oil for sure. And the second is, you know, honestly, my maca supplement, Mighty Maca Plus, which came from around the world. It's been available for 10 years now. And the reason I love maca just as a root, as an adaptogen so much is because it is, it's exactly that. It's an adaptogen. So whether you're an overdrive or underdrive, maca can really help. And I first discovered it back in 2006 when I was in Peru and I was infertile and struggling. And the, the story is that when, you know, you're infertile in Peru, they say, drink maca. If you're tired, drink maca. If you're, um, you know, your child's not thriving, give it maca. And then they would elbow my husband and say, it's the Peruvian Viagra. And of course we're drinking maca, right? But as a scientist, I needed to understand why. And it turns out to be one of the most alkalinizing roots. They're very alkalinizing and it has specific proteins called macaines. And it's really rich in arginine, which increases nitric oxide synthetase, which is increases blood flow, which lo and behold is how Viagra works. And it also has antiviral and it, I mean, it's just like an all around adaptogenic um, root that I just love. And, and so that is something that helps so many. And in the studies we did, because I couldn't drink maca by itself, I just couldn't stand the taste. And that's actually how the formula came about, because I added other, other great superfoods to it. Because, you know, it's never just one. It's like a salad with only lettuce isn't a salad, right? And so combining the world's superfoods was really fun. And what we've seen are, and even with just straight maca by the research, improved Improvements in DHEA, improvements in progesterone, improvements in fertility, improvements in menopause and hot flashes. And I think one of the, re it's a combination of reasons that we see such great research with maca. But I think because it is alkalinizing and because it is adaptogenic in a way that supports the highs and the lows, that it really does help, help us get that grounded balance. Yeah, you know, maca is a great superfood. You know, I, I uh, I've spent time studying a lot of adaptogens. And so, you know, it can fall in the family with ashwagandha and rhodiola, ginseng, astragalus, and many of the others. And I know that it's, uh, again, maca has all kinds of benefits uh, there. But I love learning a little bit more about sort of, uh, you know, how the Peruvian culture, the people in Peru, uh, 
you know, um, revere it as one of their favorite herbs, kind of like those in India revere turmeric. Uh, man, I just, I love, love hearing about that in the different cultures. So let's talk about uh, last couple things here. So we've talked about balancing your hormones. You talked about the foods we got to stay, you know, you got to stay away from sugar, big thing, and you got to stay away from snacking. So we talked about that. We talked about some of the foods that we should be getting, and you hit on a lot of those healthy fats, the olive oil, the avocado, the coconut oil, getting more fiber in your diet, vegetables. So vegetables and healthy fats, and, and you know, th those, are, those are key. Um, what, what, what is your sort of, what, what are your last just few tips, you know, just sort of closing us up here? If somebody is looking to balance their hormones naturally, uh, what, what are some, maybe a few tips that we, uh, we, 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 we haven't hit on yet? Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, you know, it is definitely my favorite topic and there's so much that we can talk about, but the first thing, just bouncing back to that, that sugar, getting rid of sugar, I consider breaking up with sugar, really one of the most valuable gifts you can give yourself. And for, you know, maybe women listening, I like the analogy of comparing sugar to the toxic ex-boyfriend, right? Like the one that tries to sneak back into your life will give you these, all these coaxing little messages. And then you open your door again and think, oh my God, what have I done? Right? I don't know about anyone else, but okay, I can resonate with that story. <laughs> so breaking up with sugar really is, is a really important aspect. And, and, but again, we can have beautiful feasting recipes. Like I made a blueberry, um, uh, dish for my daughters last night with using nuts and amazing stuff. And in our, um, I made a chocolate mousse that's completely keto chocolate mousse made with avocado and cocoa. And so you can have great alternatives that just are so, so satisfying and actually good for you compared to the, you know, toxic ex-boyfriend. So that's, an important point. And then that does help us balance our hormones better because if our body's not having to constantly produce insulin and cortisol, cortisol to fight inflammation often caused by glucose as well as stress. If our body's not fighting those hormones and we have more of our own natural progesterone and what NDHEA, these are hormones that build us back up, that give us healthy breasts, give us a healthy mind and strong bones, as well as an empowered immune system. So when we aren't, you know, our body's not constantly essentially putting out fires or, you know, you, you know, with insulin and cortisol, then we can really build our body back up and create a really strong, resilient, in the Bible, it says the, our body is the temple of our spirit. Really, our body is the cathedral of our spirit. I like using that translation, that our body is the cathedral of our spirit. So building it back up, constantly renovating it is a process for our entire life, just like any cathedral. It takes time and oh, it's so worth it because it is, it is so beautiful, right? And we want to keep this structure strong. So, and that's how, those are really key ways to balance our hormones. So it, it starts with an early morning ritual based in appreciation, gratitude, and, um, and meditation. And then an evening ritual that sets us up to get a fabulous night's sleep. And again, when we have healthier levels of progesterone naturally, we can get a better night's sleep. Or we can, especially when we're in the postmenopause, supplement too with progesterone and or pregnenolone. But getting that good night's sleep is critical. So where I'd add even additional supplements, you mentioned earlier, melatonin, absolutely. Melatonin, magnesium, 
you know, vitamin D, I mean, everything we can do to help us um, balance our hormones and get a good night's sleep. So our body can do what it needs to do. And then we wake up, you know, immediately focus on hydration and alkalinization. And again, the practices that create an alkaline, healthier body by empowering our most, our strongest hormone, oxytocin, which is the most alkalinizing hormone in our body, by the way, cortisol's acidifying oxytocin is alkalinizing. Check your urine test, figure it out. It's so amazing to do this discovery work. But when we, when we do that, those practices of appreciation, gratitude, increase oxytocin, and that overpowers, overpowers the, the breaking down aspects of cortisol in our body. So those are some closing tips that I just, I feel are just so powerful. And through integrating them in our lives, it can make a huge difference. I've treated women with infertility, endometriosis, PCOS, have women who have been told they needed hysterectomies and by many docs, women who have been diagnosed with cancer. And let me tell you, you know, in these approaches that we teach, Josh, you and I, that we're so, you know, um, just emphatic that we want people to take responsibility for their own health. I know that when my clients did this, and as I integrated these tips into my practice, I went from doing two to three surgeries a week to referring two to three major surgeries per year. I mean, that's how powerful our body is in being able to heal itself when we make these really, you know, simple lifestyle choices. Wow. Powerful stuff. By the way, I love how you start off with the analogy of sugar being, I actually, I recently interviewed Dr. Daniel Amen and, uh, and he gave a very similar analogy to it being this, you know, abusive, uh, you know, abusive, uh, relationship. And we keep doing sugar like we do drugs and it's, you know, and it's, 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 it's bad for us. Like we're in a relationship with sugar that's so toxic to our bodies and how it affects our bodies. And your solution in Keto Green 16 of getting more of the fats, getting more of the greens, I mean, that's really what's going to help take our health to the next level, which I agree with. I mean, those two factors, the greens and some of those healthy fats are so critical to our health. And so I want to say uh, thank you, uh, Dr. Anna, for being on today. I want to encourage everybody uh, go to amazon.com, go to barnesandnoble.com, or uh, hey, check out your local bookstore, but check out her books. It's The Hormone Fix and Keto Green 16. So if you want to follow keto the right way, you can check out her book, Keto Green 16. If you want to balance your hormones naturally, check out The Hormone Fix or get both books. Again, they're both fantastic. I want to say again, thanks, Dr. Anna, for coming on and sharing your wisdom today. Thank you. All right. Thanks a lot. Thanks, everybody. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode. If you have a question you want me to answer, let me know. Head on over to draxcom forward slash podcast to send in your questions. And if you're loving the show, make sure to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe and share with your family and friends. By doing so, you may just be transforming their life. Thanks for committing to transform lives with me. Tune in next week for more. This podcast is for information purposes only. Statements and views expressed in this podcast are not medical advice and have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration.
The products and ingredients discussed in this podcast are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. If you believe you may have a medical condition, please consult your doctor. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guests' qualifications or credibility. In some cases, individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein.